So it's been a couple weeks, but I want to circle back a little bit to the theme that the land is not safe. We talked a few weeks back about the massive cultural earthquake that has been taking place. For many, it's a new reality emerging that our land doesn't feel safe in certain ways. Even on the two announcements that we made this morning, we could just dig into that a little bit and think about as parents and grandparents some of the things that are coming the way of our children that feel very new and disconcerting. I'll I'll speak honestly for myself. I never thought that because of the concern of what's going on in the schools and coming down from the highest levels of the state of California, I never personally thought that I would be a homeschool parent. But as we are discerning and seeing things coming our way, and as Kelly Sayarto, our district uh, assembly member, said right there about three weeks ago, he said, from a natural perspective, it's only going to get worse. I mean, he's just being honest. He's saying there is a very fast-moving agenda that is anti-God and not friendly to Christians, not friendly to parents, thinks that the state literally owns the children. And I, I have heard from state officials that have literally said parents are, that the state lends the children to the parents. That's a mindset that is absolutely demonic. But it's at the highest levels of our state government. Not the federal government, thankfully, but in the state of California. That is not a safe perspective <laughs> as a parent to have the, the government over you that believes my children belong to them and they're lending them to me. As long as I do a good enough job to conform with what they want, I get to keep them. I mean, I'm getting ready to fight somebody. <laughs> like, that's just, there are things inside that like, whoa, whoa, come on. That's not safe. And I'm joking, you know, by fighting people. In the spirit. There we go. No, we got to fight the good fight. That's Bible. That's Bible. We have to fight the good fight. If we're not fighting the good fight, then what are we doing? Losing. It's, this is not a zero-sum game. You're either fighting or you're losing. And so we're, we're in this weird, weird world right now where there's certain aspects of life that are unsafe. And what we saw in the Bible last time was <laughs> welcome to the real world if you don't feel safe. Because the entire context of the Bible is they're not safe. The people of Israel were always on the run. Even in the promised land, they had enemies surrounding them. Jesus said, you will face troubles in this world. In fact, he went on to say crazy things or, or I mean, startling things like that, that Satan is the ruler, the king of this kingdom on earth right now. His kingdom. That's, that's a terrifying thought. Now, Jesus said, He is overcome. We can overcome. Our mission is to join him in saying, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's a a clash. That's a fight. Every single thing Jesus did was pushing back on the territory of the enemy. It was a clash of kingdoms. And so we are not hopeless in any fashion. Not at all. 
that the will of Jesus, that, of the Father that Jesus modeled on earth is the same exact plan. Jesus said, as the Father sends me, so I send you. What is that? Well, that's a clashing of kingdoms where the kingdom of God advances on earth as it is in heaven. So we do not fear the darkness. The darkness will not overcome the light. But we got to be ready to fight. So the land has never been safe, and that's part of what we were looking at last time. And God wants us to be able to thrive in the midst of that. We, will, we looked at the Proverbs 31 woman who's got this incredible uh, testimony about her life. My, my favorite line in the whole thing is Proverbs 31, 25, about this powerful, awesome woman of God, a truly empowered woman. And it says, strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the future. She laughs at the future. And that's not because the land was safe. Even in the context, we saw that even the cold winter was a life-threatening reality. Something that most of us know nothing of. But she was so connected to God. So much strength in God. So much dignity in God. The trust in God's promises, in his character, in his nature. That she was, even in the midst of a world very unsafe, she was laughing at the future. That is a confidence that God wants all of his children to have. Laughing because we trust so much that God is good, that he's real, he's personal, he's powerful, he's present. That no matter the outside circumstances, we can laugh at the good things that we know are coming. That's wild to me. That's a whole level of faith. It's like, wow, beautiful, powerful. And as I was reflecting further on this idea about the land being unsafe, I felt like the Lord kind of led me to a scripture in Revelation where he also wants us to be aware that there's another side of the coin. As we think about the land being safe and unsafe, there's another side of the coin that we have to be equally aware of. And that is the danger that when we feel too safe or too comfortable, we real quick can get in a bad spot. I want to take us to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, but we'll just start with verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witnesses, the witness, excuse me, the beginning of God's creation. So in other words, if you're not familiar with that whole passage in Revelation 1 to 3, it's the risen Lord Jesus, and he's got the, you know, the hair of uh, white hairs glowing and eyes of fire. This is a very powerful, this is a man of war. This is a man of justice. This is a, a, a savior of battle who is living out exactly what we saw Jesus do on earth, which was he fought to see the kingdom of God advance. And he has words, prophetic words, for seven different churches. What I love about this passage in general, these passages, is that it shows us that God looks at individual local bodies and has each and every single one of them on a journey, an authentic journey with him. He does, it's not a one-size-fits-all message. I love it. It's God being very personal with local churches. And if you read through all of them, he has different things to say to different, every single different church, like he's talking to individuals, or like he's talking to a married couple, like he's talking to families, like he's talking to a local church body. It's very personal. Now, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but how many of you all know 
you're not on, you're not, in the, you're not the same person you were 10 years ago. What God needs to say to you today is not the same thing he said to you 15 years ago, most likely. There's a journey that you're on. And then you add, maybe you're married. There's a journey that you're on. You have families. You're doing life together. There's an authentic journey that you're on. You're in a local body of Christ. God's doing something in your local church family. And that's good and authentic. It's good because it's authentic. God wants to speak to us right where we're at. And if I was to broad stroke a little bit about these revelation passages, these seven churches, personally, I think that Laodicea is a broad stroke of the challenges that we face as a church, a broader church, a Christians within the cultural context of the United States. One little phrase right here pops out. Verse 317. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. That has become a cultural value. If you take it out of the Bible real quick and just slap it on a billboard or you slap it on a marketing slogan or you slap it on a business model or you slap it on a personal you know, uh, declaration about life, this has become a cultural positive value. We all want to get here, if we're listening to the culture, right? We all want to get to that place. I mean, we got movies, Get Rich or Die Trying. You know, those are very, those, th- these things are becoming ingrained in us. I am rich. I have prospered. I need nothing. That's kind of like a big cultural goal. That's the good life, right? If we can achieve material success, I got it all. I don't need anything. I've won. You know, he who dies with the most toys wins. Remember, guys, remember that little T-shirt from like the 1980s? There's, you can see all, I mean, all over the place in, mu- in music, in movies, in business culture. This meme here, if you will, has taken deep root as a cultural value. That if I make it materially, I don't need anything else. I've won. But the immense danger if we grab onto that of valuing the the comfort that material riches and, and prosperity bring, it's very easy to do exactly what Jesus says is gonna happen, which is feel like we don't need anything else. If I'm comfortable, I'm safe, I'm good, I don't need anything. And Jesus goes on to say, he says, here's the here's the challenge. You say I'm rich, I have prospered and need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Here's the point of everything I'm saying so far and what Jesus is trying to get at. And in the danger of living in a world, living in a country where so much has gone right for so long. Now we're talking about, you know, a flip of the coin and things feel very unsafe. But many of us for a very long time have been experiencing the other side of the coin where those values about being rich and needing nothing, have, have infiltrated to the point where life at times can be very comfortable and easy. And what does Jesus say? When we are too safe and comfortable materially and we bring that into our relationship with God, we can easily lose our sober assessment of our daily dependence on God. Jesus goes on to say, let's read it all together. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation, 
I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. But because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. When we lose a sober perception of our need for God, we can, as Jesus said, the very quick, easy fruit of that is becoming lukewarm, which Jesus doesn't appear to be a fan of. (laughs) And I believe there's a healthy challenge for us right now in this season where the land doesn't feel safe and there's so much kind of upheaval and uncertainty That's a great time to do healthy assessment of, God, what are you wanting to say? And as we wrestle with a a new reality of the land being not safe in certain ways, and that's probably going to increase, I believe there's a healthy, courageous question of, are there ways, though, Lord, that I found myself too comfortable prior to last year? Are there ways in which I was enjoying some of the the prosperity of this country and just allowing myself to get a little bit too safe and comfortable with the world I live in? And how do you know if that's happening? How do you know? Well, lukewarm, Jesus says, is the number one fruit. If you got too safe and comfortable with where you're at with God, not feeling the daily dependence on him, and this is probably not overt, If you're in this room, you probably don't wake up and be like, God, I don't need you today. But you might just go about your business like you don't need him. Feeling pretty good. Things are okay. I'm pretty safe. I'm pretty comfortable. Life's all right. I'm, you know, I got a roof over my head. I'm feeling pretty good. And Jesus is like, are you hot? Because you're born to be hot. You're made to burn for me. And if you're lukewarm, you maybe got a little too comfortable in this nice little safe world we got here. And so Jesus brings some really good news. I know he starts a little, he's, I like it, this is Jesus, not me. So if you're like convicted or offended, it's all Jesus right now. (laughs) Not my fault. I'm just reading the Bible. (laughs) Don't worry, he's like going to be really nice in just a couple verses. So hang with me, bear with me. I know, it's uncomfortable in the moment. So I'm going to give you some good news. What I saw in this immediately was, honestly, the good news. Wait a second, you are not created, we are not created, I'm not created, you're not created for a lukewarm existence. The good news that Jesus is going after is, hey, 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 you're made to burn for God. That's actually really good news. Because, I, I mean, I'm very, very attracted to that reality. I don't want to live lukewarm. I don't want to just go through life, same old, same old, same old, same old. Yeah, I'm just getting by. I'm kinda, I don't really care about a whole lot. I'm not very passionate. I'm kind of apathetic. I'm just getting by. I'm a little safe and comfortable, but I'm not burning for life. And Jesus is like, I got good news. I'm going to put you through the fire so that you come out burning. So here's what he said. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness 
may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I see grace all over this. Jesus is so gracious. Even though they're lukewarm, because they're not living dependent on God, Jesus still invites them into true riches, true identity, and true vision. I mean, each one of those things can be their own message. But to find your actual true identity is gold. To have true vision about who you are and who God is, who you are in God's eyes, what God wants for you in your life, that is gold. To live in a way where you are living in the true abundant riches of following Jesus, there is nothing like it. It's gold. And yet Jesus says... You can burn for me by letting me take you through the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire is that ancient picture we don't even really have. I don't really honestly have a clue of what, you know, the real process is about that. You know, when you're purifying metal, that's about all I know, but that, that's really all you need to know. The refiner's fire, if you're trying to make a, a, a sword that actually will not break. You're making a, you know, a metal structure that's not going to implode and fall down. You're trying to have something that has strength and integrity. Then it needs to go through the fire so that the impurities are drawn out. And for in some ways, for the first time, this passage popped out to me. There is a simplicity. What is the fire? What is the refiner's fire so that I come out as gold and on fire? Not lukewarm anymore. You see the kind of the pictures that Jesus is painting. He's kind of mixing metaphors in a way. But what you see from the beginning is he's like not happy with be, you being lukewarm. He wants to spit us out when we're doing that. Why? Because we're living far below our creative design and purpose of burning for God, being hot for God. Well, how do we get hot for God? We allow Jesus to take us through the refiner's fire. We say yes to the invitation to burn off the impurities, the junk that's holding us back from being hot. And what is it? In the passage, we know what it is. What needs to get burned out of us is this statement right there. I need nothing. That's a hot fire to go through. If you feel, if you're at a place in life, whether consciously or subconsciously, that you're acting out, that you don't really need God, you don't feel and recognize and know your daily dependence on God for vision and strength and identity and all these other things, if you're not living in that healthy, sober dependence on him, then it's a hot fire to turn that around. That's essentially God becoming God on the throne of our hearts. That's the challenge of Jesus saying, who's on the throne of your heart right now? Who's truly, who are you living out as king of kings? In all of your hopes versus your fears, in your joys, who's your source? Who are you looking to to provide, to take care of you? Where is your identity coming from? What's your source of truth? What's your source of strength? And Jesus is just saying, it's, the answer is meant to be me and me and me again. <laughs> Jesus is me over here again. And Jesus goes on to show that with this beautiful picture about knocking at the door. Before we get there, there's, there's one other phrase that Jesus spoke of. He said, so those whom I love, 
I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And see, this is again the, the goodness of God in this passage. This is not a condemnation passage. This is a liberation passage. This is Jesus wanting to set us free from the wrong source in our life. When we think we need nothing and we're depending on ourselves and not God, we're going to be living this life way below the line of possibility. We're going to be living that lukewarm or cold life. And Jesus says, no, you're made to burn for me. And so his grace is saying, hey, I love you. So this word I'm bringing, yes, it's reproof and discipline, but it's because I love you. And that's, that's, that's just good. That's a good parent right there. He disciplines us because he loves us. When we go astray, he doesn't just say, hey, oh, cool, you be you. I'm a good parent. Sorry, I don't know what's... But it's serious in that Jesus loves us too much to leave us lukewarm. And so even though there's a fire in the process of laying down my pride to daily let Jesus be the source of everything, that's a fire. To say, I can't. Here we go. Let's, let's put this. Now let's put this on. I need you, God. I can't do it without you. I can't be the husband I want to be on my own. I cannot be the father I want to be on my own strength. I will not be a person of a secure identity and confidence that isn't thrown around by everyone else's opinions. I can't be that on my own. Oh. I'm going to be uh, like everybody else on Facebook that just lives and dies on how many likes and applauses and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everyone else's opinion on my own strength. I crave that. I need that. And that's bondage because the mob is fickle. And if your identity is dependent on that, then you are going to feel awful about who you are because you're not made for it. Made to be dependent on God. So all these things, like this, this, is, this is fire to go through. To admit, I can't do it on my own. I need you every single day. If there is any hope for good fruit to come out of my life, I need you. I need to stay connected to the vine. I need to abide. The moment I try to do it on my own strength, what did Jesus say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's a fire right there. That's a fire to, to, to our pride that wants to do it on our own and doesn't want to wake up in the morning and, and feel like, oh, I, 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 need, I need something outside of me. Now, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, this gets easier and easier because as he shows you how good he is and, and the abundant life of living in him, saying I need you becomes a joyful act of surrendering worship and you love it because you see the good fruit and you see that you come fully alive and God gets glorified and you begin to, to, to be that person that you know you could not be on your own strength. But it's a fire. 
It's a fire to go through. And Jesus says it like this. I love, I, be, be, to those whom I love, I, re, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. That means come back. It means change your mind. Turn that different direction instead of saying, I got this, Lord. I don't need you, whether conscious or subconscious, whether any issue in your life, at work, at home, whatever relationship, it's turning in our fallen nature, our bent is away from God. I got it on my own. And so it's this turning back, changing our mind, that the true abundant life is in being dependent on him. And he goes and he says this, so behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Such a beautiful picture. Again, showing the, the grace of God in the midst of being reproved. A church that is being rebuked, being disciplined. Jesus is pointing out. This is where they're, they are currently going astray. These are the cultural things that they've kind of imbibed. That they don't even need God. I don't need anything. And Jesus, in his grace and in his truth, in his mercy and in his fire, he says, you're made for better. And here's what is the ultimate solution. He's saying, I'm knocking every day. What you need more than anything else is genuine fellowship with God. He's knocking every day. It's important to recognize that this passage is to a church. These are believers. They already know God. So here, follow the analogy. Yet Jesus is in some fashion on the outside knocking. In every way, whether conscious or unconscious, we live out or feel or believe we don't need him. He's on the outside. And he's saying, I'm knocking. He says, I'll come in and share a meal with you. Now that is cultural language at that time for friendship. That's why Jesus got so in trouble when he was having meals with the quote-unquote dregs of society, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, because at that time, to share a meal was a public declaration of friendship, of fellowship. And it was a very stratified system, a very kind of class system. If you were up here, you did not associate with down here. It made you unclean. It brought you down to their level. You touch a leper, you become like a leper. You become unclean. You lose your status. You lose your A-list status. So to, to have a meal with someone was a really big deal. It was a public demonstration or declaration of friendship. And Jesus is saying, every day, I'm knocking. If you have the, the, the posture that says, I'm comfortable, I'm safe, the biggest problem in all that is, you don't even hear him knocking. And that's where we got to take this good word and say, man, I don't want to just go through life comfortable and safe. Because the result is going to be lukewarm. But as I get into this passage, what Jesus is saying is that like when I get too comfortable and safe and feel like I got it going on, I don't need him. The, the tragedy, the biggest tragedy of it all, I don't even hear my Savior knocking. And so Jesus is saying, it's going to get real simple here. The solution to all this 
to not be lukewarm, to not be cold, to go through the fire, to go through the refiner's fire so you come out hot, to, to have that healthy dependence on God that you're made for. It's a very simple solution. He's knocking at the door. It's a daily invitation. I don't know exactly what he wants to say to you today or tomorrow or the next day, but the way that we demonstrate our dependence on God is by listening for the knock and making fellowship with Jesus our absolute number one dependent priority. Where all else falls way, 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 way below. It's so interesting that in this passage, we're talking about a refiner's fire. And the way, the, 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 the way that that refinement happens is to move from dependence on ourself to dependence on God. And the way that we do that is simply listen to the knock of our Savior on a daily basis and making sure that we are prioritizing Fellowship and friendship with him above all else. That's what purifies. That's what will burn away all the junk so that we live life burning for him. So this is a huge, huge, important message from Jesus that talks for us about a priority with God that never changes. How are you in your life making the priority on a daily basis to hear the knock from Jesus and make fellowship with him your highest goal and living from that place where you burn like you're made to burn? Let's pray. Let's just give a quiet moment here, just between you and Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak right now to each and every person here who is opening the door of their heart right now. We ask, Holy Spirit, you would speak clearly. What is it, Lord, that you want to say to each of us? Singing